This is Lightning Playoff Rewind. 1-1 our score in overtime. Tavares, peels center point, a pass. Maybe stolen by Stamkos. No, Tavares gets it again. Strong shift here for the Leafs. Knives right corner. Find it at Tavares. Lightning here chasing. Tavares steps off circle. Score! Went in off a skate. And the Leafs win it. Three overtime wins in the series for Toronto. I don't know if Tavares is going to get credit for the goal or yeah. Riley, who is standing in front. I think Every bounce the in this series has gone Toronto's way, including the last one. Off a skate and in. It's a very, very kind of lonely feeling right now when you're out this early. I mean, with the experience that we have, the players that, that we have in this, the expectation is to make a run every year. That's the way it is. That's the, when you have the run that we've had, the, the bar gets raised. So when you don't get there, it, it, it's tough. At some point, you're not going to get the break. It, it just, it's just the way it is or teams would win like 15 cups in a row. And a for a team and an organization that has really has struggled <laughs> in the playoffs, uh, at some point they were gonna get a break. It's just, it just sucks it was against series against us. To break down yesterday's playoff action, here's Bobby Fenton on Lightning Radio 24-7 on the Lightning Mobile app. Welcome to Lightning Playoff Rewind. Happy Sunday morning to everybody. Obviously, it's a little more somber than happy, but here we are for the final time before the offseason as the Lightning are eliminated in the first round after losing to the Maple Leafs in six games. Last night's overtime loss, a 2-1 game at Amelie Arena. All three games at Amelie Arena in this series end up being overtime losses for the Lightning. And in fact, if you go back to game six last year, the Lightning and Maple Leafs play four consecutive games at Amelie Arena in the playoffs that all go to overtime. The Lightning won the one last year. All three this year go the other way. And so today's show is going to be a little bit of everything. We're going to go over the game last night. We're going to look ahead to the coming season and even more specifically the offseason because as always but maybe even a little more than usual this year. There's going to be a lot of change, although the core Lightning group is still going to be around. And we're just going to reflect, folks, because it's been, if you go back to the 2015 run through the Stanley Cup, or to the Stanley Cup final, and that was my first season doing these shows on Lightning Radio. That was nine seasons, counting that season and this season, and six of them resulted in trips to the Eastern Conference final or further. This is only the third time since 2015, they haven't been in the Eastern Conference Final. So it's a little weird, right? I mean, May is hockey month in Tampa Bay, and it's going to be a hockeyless May now, and even June sometimes as well. And it happens, and probably we've gotten used to the idea that it doesn't happen, and more than we should, but it, it happens, and it happened in this series as the Lightning go down in six games. Thanks for joining us, though. We're going to be upbeat. There's a lot to be excited about, as always, with this team, and more importantly, this organization even in spite of the loss this time. I am joined by my friend and the guy who makes Lightning Radio go, both in front of and behind the microphone. It's Steve Versnick, who I know has been working very hard all through this season and these playoffs and worked late last night as well, especially with overtime. How you doing this morning, Steve? It's, uh, it's hard to fathom. I mean, you, we're so used to making those plans into late May and June for playoffs that uh, on April 30th, it's over. Yep. I remember last year, yeah, I, I, I forgot because, you know, everything got thrown off with COVID the last few seasons and things got bumped further back and they were gradually working back to a normal schedule, which this year will be. 
but I was out of town. We were doing, I was doing shows in an Airbnb with my laptop and a microphone. It didn't matter. Always, always hockey, always the playoffs, May, June. I can't tell my wife, hey, let's not do anything before the middle of June ever. But with this organization, you kind of have to worry about that because they may be playing. But anyway, didn't happen this year. You heard the opening quotes there. And, and first of all, I was at the game last night in person, so that was the first time I heard Dave Mishkin's call. Like, I was hearing that raw just now, and I was kind of starting to get over things when I woke up this morning. But it was tough to listen to that, although Dave made a, a great call like he always does. And listening to John Cooper and everybody else there, and, yeah, you know, it, it did feel like every single bounce in this series went the Lightning's – or went the Maple Leafs' way. It didn't feel like the Lightning had a lot of puck luck. And yet, now that it's over, I don't feel like the Lightning deserve to win either. Even though, I mean, the overtime is so random. It's such a crapshoot to have three of those games and all of them be at home and lose all three. Three of the four losses were those types of losses – and it feels like, oh, man, they deserve better. But I don't really think, even though they played well, I and mean, they played well last night, too, I still don't feel like they got shorted or anything like that. It was just a really close series between two really good teams and didn't go their way. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to believe with this team, as successful as they've been, they're now 1-10 in, in their last 11 playoff overtime games. 1-10. And, yeah. and, and, and we go back to the bubble and before that and how successful they had been in overtime. You know, and how much time they played in overtime in the bubble. Of course, a five-overtime game helps that, but they had a lot of overtime games, and they were very successful. And the fact that they're now 1-10 in, in their last 11 overtime games, it's just, it's just a weird stat. And as you say, you know, overtime's a crapshoot. Like, statistically, that shouldn't happen. I mean, at some point, you should score a goal in overtime. And it's just – it's really weird how it's, how it's played. And, you know, last night, the Lightning, I would say, controlled play in the overtime. Oh, yeah. The other overtime, too, the other night. Yeah. And just, you know, Asimov had a good look, and I, I don't fault him. I mean, it was almost the same thing as he had the other day when he scored in regulation. Tough angle. Got a good shot off. Samsonov made the save. You know what happens. It just seemed like there was a few moments in this series, not just the overtime, but kind of one of the hallmarks of this series was when Toronto was starting to buzz and get pressure, the Lightning having trouble clearing. It happened on their regulation goal where Sergachev looked like he had a chance to clear, couldn't quite get it out. Same thing last night. They were humming around, and the Lightning were just on their heels and could not get the puck out. It was a prolonged stretch down there, and then Tavares skates it around and just, you know, something happens, but the, the longer you're down there, something will happen, and they just couldn't withstand that pressure. Yeah, it's, and it's... You know, Toronto does did last night what we always say in overtime you got to do, just put pucks at the net, and you never know what's going to happen. And they threw a puck at the net, it goes off Radish's skate, and it goes in the net, and the series is over. I, I don't even know if the Lightning player saw the puck go in the net. It was very anticlimactic. If losing a series can be anticlimactic, like, like you said, they were out playing Toronto, it was going pretty well. You don't really care how well you're playing or not playing in overtime because all that matters is who gets the goal, and that could go to either team. But they were seeming like, hey, we might be able to, you know, this will be okay. And then it just trickled in real weird. And, you know, obviously it's on home ice, so there's no crowd reaction. And you're just like, wait, that's it? Like we don't even get to try to, you know, the, no, no, that's it. It's over. It was just, yeah, it, it's, it was tough. It was tough. And I, I don't fault Vasilevsky at all. I played another really good game. 
And we had talked about, I had talked about on our prior show, given the way the Lightning had outplayed Toronto in the previous two games, winning one of them the last game, I was really worried about the pushback factor last night. I was thinking Toronto's going to come out humming. I didn't think they would be as burdened by their recent history as people in the media or fans or anybody talks about. And I was really concerned that it was just, you know, a chance they might, the Lightning might get rolled. I was like, oh man, Toronto's not going to mess around. They are not trying to go to a game seven. Honestly, I was pretty pleased. The Lightning came out really well. I thought the first period was a good period for the Lightning. It was scoreless after one. But the way the Lightning played again, and I'll go into all the numbers later on in the show, but expected goals in these six games, the Lightning had a higher expected goals than Toronto in five of the six, including over a full goal last night. And so it wasn't an issue of pushback. It wasn't an issue of momentum or anything like that. Lightning played really well again. And I tip my hat to Samsonov. Now, he wasn't the only guy. I wouldn't say he stole the game, but, you know, just never felt like the Lightning could push through and score in bunches. And, yeah, like, like, like John Cooper said, man, I mean, you know, we got them last year. They got us this year. These are tough first-round series. I mean, you're playing the top two or three teams in, in the conference in the opening series every time. It is what it is, man. And Steven Samkos said – you know, he thought they played better this year than they did last year in the series. Yeah, they really did. They they controlled play more. Yeah, I mean, you know, they they controlled the play. I thought, you know, even without Eric Chernak, I thought they played extremely well. Probably better than last year. And I don't know if – I think Toronto's a better team than last year. I don't think they played better than last year. No. And yet – you come out short. It's it's funny how sports work sometimes. And that's it. It is. There's a lot of randomness. People don't like randomness, Steve. You know, and this is not just sports. This is true in life. I'm not going to get into a whole existential thing or anything like that. But, you know, you always hear people, oh, there's a reason for everything or it was destiny and blah, blah, and all that, not to belittle anyone's feelings, but all that is garbage. Like, the, things happen in the world all the time for no reason. Like, there's not a reason for everything. And, yeah, last year's series – I'll tell you this, at no point, I, I, even though I should have been confident, at no point until Nick Paul scored the second goal in Game 7 did I feel like the Lightning were truly going to win that series. I was like, they're, not, they're, they're just not going to do this. And they did it. And this year, I kind of felt all along, even being down a game, being down, oh, yeah, well, they, 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 they can do this, they can do this. And they could have, but it just didn't happen. But, yes, you're absolutely right. I felt like if you just didn't show me the scoreboard and just had me watch the run of play in both series – I think the Lightning did have a better series this year. And, you know, just some defensive lapses early in the series and a couple of bad ones by Vassie got them, and then they leveled out after that. But, you know, like John Cooper said, I mean, you're going to lose three games in overtime at home. And overtime has always, you know, they're 1-10 in their last 11 now. Before that, like the – signature of this franchise was playoff overtime success they still have a 500 a better than 500 record all time in overtime because they were so good in all those years before and I believe I have to check I think that's the only only the second time they've ever lost their season in overtime I think the Devils did it to them in game five in 20 or, or 2003 their second playoff appearance and then that was like the second time they've lost in sudden death to end their season. And um, so, you know, it is what it is. Here we are. 
If you want to get a hold of us on the show today, we want to hear from you guys too. I know everybody's got thoughts and feelings, not just on last night's game, but overall. Email address is bobbygameday at yahoo.com, B-O-B-B-Y-G-A-M-E-D-A-Y, bobbygameday at yahoo.com. You can get me on Twitter, at bobbygameday. And, you know, you were there last night. I was there last night. I was leaving the arena, and I don't, they, they let us park, you know, same place you parked down there in the port garage when we're working games. And I don't like parking there because it just gets too crowded, so I usually put my bike in the back of my minivan I park somewhere over at like UT or something like that, and I just ride the bike over to the arena from there. It's like a five-minute bike ride just to stay out of the traffic fray and everything. So I got on my bike last night to leave the arena. I rode over to the lightning bolts on the plaza. It was all quiet by then. By the time we got out of there, you know, everybody had cleared out. And I just stood there for a minute. I looked at the statue of Espo there on the plaza. I looked at the statue of Dave Andrewchuk holding the cup up. And I just appreciated it because I still remember, Steve, I still I'll, I'll remember it the rest of my life. 1996, well, I remember 1992 at Expo Hall, of course, but 1996, the first playoff run they, as an 8 seed, they lost in six to the Flyers. But winning that game three in overtime, the first ever home playoff game here in Tampa Bay, it was over at the Trop, then called the Thunderdome. And I remember what it felt like just to lead a playoff series. And I, it, it, I, honestly, the, having watched them win the Stanley Cups now, that game three still ranks up there. Like, it's just all about perspective because at that point we'd never done it before. And so I always try and think back to that when I'm really disappointed, like I was last night, because this is a really good, and it's not just team, organization. That's what gives me heart, Steve. Like, I don't worry, even though I know you're not going to win every year, because good organizations like Pittsburgh or like Detroit was in the 90s, you know, or, or like. Boston kind of is now too and like we good organizations are always around it and even though you you know might have certain years where it's a better shot than others you're just always around it because you're a good organization you're winners and this is a winning organization and that's really cool like to be a fan of an organization like that is really cool and I'm bummed out this morning but I'm already excited for 2023-2024. Well that's that's the you know I don't want to say we've been spoiled the last 10 years, but when you have the organization, you have the core of this team. Like, when September comes around and training camp opens in the regular season and and preseason the regular season, you know you've got a shot to win it all that year. There's a lot of teams that go in just hoping to make the playoffs, hoping to be a little bit better than last year, but still no shot at the playoffs. I mean, you know, think of – look at Buffalo, who, what, hasn't made the playoffs since, what, 07? That's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, look at, you know, teams like Arizona, who every year you just go, they got no shot. Yeah. Uh, you know, that that it sucks today that the Lightning didn't win in advance to the second round. It stinks the season's over. But, you know, next year they're going to have a shot again because they've got Stamkos, they've got Hedman, they've got Point, they've got Cooch, they've got Vasilevsky back there. I mean, you know the core of this team, which has been together for a long time, is going to be back next year. And so, I mean, only one team at the end of the year gets to go home happy out of 32. One. Right. And so, but to have a shot every year, it's a lot better than most fans. It's, it's the essence of sports, I think. Like, it's not even, I mean, winning the Cups has been awesome, but being around it, 
watching every game, even in the regular season, watching those games with a sense of purpose. I mean, I'd always throw the game on. And this is the same with the Bucks and the Rays, too. I mean, I'm always going to watch my team's games, always. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you watch it with intent, with purpose, where you know there's actually something on the line, like, hey, this is a team that has a chance to go somewhere, that's really what it's all about because that's 99% of the sports viewing experience. I mean, all the stuff the Lightning have done and that we've gotten to do as fans, even when they do it as much as they've done it, is still a very small sliver. It's not even, not even watching the games. It's just the feeling you have in the offseason. Like, I'm looking forward to next season already. I'm interested in the offseason moves. I'm interested in the draft. I pull up Cap Friendly. Dot com, which is a great resource. We'll talk about it as uh, the show goes on today, but it, it, it breaks down every team's roster, the contracts. All. Doing all those things are things I wouldn't have done as a Lightning fan during those dark years of the early 2000s or as a Rays fan pre-2008 or pre or as a Bucks fan, you know, almost ever until uh, 2002. Those are not things you do, but, you know, it, it keeps you just in it mentally. It keeps you in it psychologically. I always say, Steve, well, in this case, we do, you know, work with the team. But, you know, you don't get a promotion at your job if your favorite sports team wins a championship. You know, your wife doesn't love you more or less. These things don't define your life. They're just entertainment. But yet, it is pretty entertaining, and it's just fun. It's fun when you have something to care about. And so the Lightning have definitely given us that. And uh, in hockey in general, I mean, you know, I always love these playoffs more than anything. It's obviously way more fun when you have a team in it. Now that the Lightning are out, there's that little, you know, 24 to 48 hour post. Like last night, if the Lightning had won, I would have gotten home. I would have vacuumed up that Oilers-Kings game. I would have been like, yes, more hockey. And I was just last night, I just couldn't do it. You know, I just needed to take a day. I was excited for game seven tonight between um, the Panthers and the Bruins before the Lightning lost. Now that the Lightning lost, I was like, eh. But by tonight, I'll flip it on. I'll be back in. It's the greatest postseason tournament, I think, of all the sports. I can't quit it. I can't stay away. I'll be bummed for 24 hours. We'll be okay. Yeah, it, it will. today it's going to be hard to watch hockey. I didn't catch much of the last night. I kind of had it on doing a little bit of work, but I wasn't really yeah. focused on or paying attention. It'll be hard today. You know, and, and but once we get to the second round, I think it'll be okay. Let's watch. I mean, because playoff hockey, there's nothing better, man. Yeah, the urgency of it, the the intensity. There's nothing better than playoff hockey to watch. But today will be tough. Yeah, maybe take a day. <laughs> we'll see. What, I, mean, wait, I think it's an early start, like by six p.m. tonight, when the Bruins Panthers kicks off. I was so rooting for that battle of Florida. You know, the whole media, all the hockey media, especially Canada and people up north. They're dying, and they've been dying for Boston-Toronto second round. Boston-Toronto second round. Obviously, I was hoping the Lightning would do their part and break that up, but also I was just hoping to see Lightning-Panthers, everybody poo-pooing it. I wouldn't have cared. It would have been great. Maybe we'll still get Boston-Toronto, or I I think Boston will win, but obviously it's a game seven. Who knows what will happen? But either way, by tonight, I have a feeling I'll I'll be able to tune back in. Right now it's tough, but uh, we've got another – little while on the show today I want it to be a cathartic experience for everybody so like I said we'll we'll take a break we'll come back we'll talk a little more about last night's game but it's more about the big picture right now we don't need to break down every little x and o and everything like that at this point once the season's over as if you look at this team and you look at capfriendly.com and the breakdown of everything you see a picture of change on certain parts of the team certain parts but also 
a nucleus that is not changing and a nucleus that is still age-wise in a pretty good place. We'll talk about all that and more on the other side. It's Lightning Playoff Rewind, post-game 6 edition, and we'll be back on the Strike 1025 HD2 and the Lightning mobile app. This is Lightning Playoff Rewind with Bobby Fenton on Lightning Radio 24-7 on the Lightning mobile app. I thought it was a series of just missed opportunities for our group. I mean, three overtime losses at home in games where I thought we were, we were the better team. I mean, that's it's funny how that works. I, I thought we played better this year in the series than we did last year. It's just, that's a really good hockey team over there. And we saw what happened last year. It went seven. This year, they... An even better team. You know, made some really good moves at the deadline, got in some really good players, and we knew it was going to be a grind. But you got to give our guys credit too. You know, we battled. It's just you know, we let some games slip away and missed opportunities. We felt good about our game and our game plan, but you, know, you got to give them credit too. They they battled. That's what good teams do at this time of year. You might not always deserve to win, but you grind and you find a way. And you know, I got some really good players over there that had a hell of a series. So do I? sit here and think we could have really done anything different to change the tide no like we played well enough to win this series i get anybody that watches here would, would would agree with that but you can't lose three overtime games at home like if you're not going to get a home game it's really tough to to win a series and regardless of how you think you know the territory of the game's going if you can't pull those out then it's tough to win and that's where i give toronto credit even when they were being leaned on by us they were opportunistic. They capitalized on, on plays they had to, and when it came for our turn for that to happen, we couldn't uh, we couldn't capitalize. And I think what John Cooper just said is really, when I think of all the things about this series, looking back on it, what it comes down to, because that's the lasting image I have of this series, is prolonged stretches of pressure by the Lightning, pressure by the Lightning, but no goal, and then Toronto coming back and just having a really good shift or two and getting it to cash in where the Lightning couldn't. Austin Matthews scored the opening goal of the game last night on uh, his fourth consecutive game, scoring a goal in this series. I thought that was another big difference too, Steve. I mean, the top lines, the top guys, although Stamkos got his goal last night, which was obviously a huge one to tie the game, his second of the series. But, you know, I thought Kucherov, I don't think he played poorly this series, but I didn't hear his name called as much as I would have liked. Stamkos until last night had been kind of quiet. Uh, point was big early on. Didn't get as much from him. The, the Lightning needed a little more from their top lines. If you look at the metrics and stuff, it wasn't bad. They weren't bad out there. But, yeah, Toronto cashed in, and the Lightning just didn't cash in as much in this series. I'm not sure how healthy Braden Point is. Oh, my God. He, hey. the, the last few games did not look himself after taking that hit in the corner. Yeah, I don't blame him. You know, and I think, you know, whenever the – Exit interviews happen this week. I think we'll find out what happened to, to him, to Eric Chernak, um, you know, AC Mont and Janot who got hurt. And, you know, we're going to find out what those injuries are. And, uh, you know, it'll be it'll, it's always interesting to, to realize how much these guys are playing through this time of year. Definitely. And you looked at the, the shot into the wall there and point finished even that game uh what was it game two when that happened i believe or game three i can't remember what game it was it was three it was, it was at home was... right right okay so yes it was game three and yeah he played the rest of the way that series and like you said for all we know he's playing with a broken rib we'll find out they'll be more forthcoming about it now that everything is over with not having chernak hurt a lot in this series too i mean i think the lightning defensively 
could have been a lot better, even with what they did have. But I mean, you said yourself after the uh, the four one blown lead. I mean, if Chernak is in that game, it's a whole different deal. And all the games. And last night, seeing Bunting out there for the first time while Chernak was still out, Dave Randorf pointed it out on the Bally Sports broadcast. That wasn't a nice feeling. And obviously, Chernak head injuries and stuff. You have to be really careful and. You know, all the stuff the Lightning are dealing with. And even Vassy, who's not hurt. All these guys. I mean, if there's a silver lining, and you could argue, well, all the bad teams get to do this every year, but the Lightning in particular need this. At least there's an offseason now for them to hook up to the juvenation machine a little bit and just take extended time to get healthy because that's, I don't care what anybody says, and not just physically but psychologically too, it, it, to maintain the level they maintained for three straight seasons, even this season too, it, it's got to take a toll. So at least if nothing else, Steve, I'm happy that they get to rest now. And I think that does bode well for next season. No question about it. I mean, we've talked about this for several off seasons now, about how much hockey this team has played, about how little rest they've had in the off season, And, you know, to take it back a couple seasons ago, I mean, there was thought that Stamkos' career was done. He was finished. You know, he didn't look as good on the ice. Then he gets a full off season where he wasn't rehabbing. He was training. And he came out and carried the team. Yep. You know, there's a big difference in that. And, you know, now having what? They're going to have, what, four, four and a half months before training camp begins. Yeah. And, you know, if, if guys have nagging stuff, if things going on, they're going to get some rest. And not just physically, but mentally. And, you know, while... It stinks the season's over, and it's nothing the players wanted. There is a there is a side benefit to going out early in the playoffs, and that's you're going to get extra rest this offseason. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I'll say this, too. I always like to shine a light on my mistakes. I never want to be one of those guys that toots my own horn when I'm right about anything and we casually just forget it when I'm wrong. After the bubble, where they won the Stanley Cup, but Stamkos had the, you know, the the core body injury, core muscle, whatever you want to call it. And he was out and out and out, kept waiting for him to come back. He did come back in the final, of course, and score that one dramatic goal. But I out loud openly questioned, especially when the cap, you know, it's always an issue, but the cap was an issue there. And I was like, you know what? I love Stamkos, but that's a big cap hit. It looks like physically his body's just not, he can't go any further. Maybe the Lightning look at moving him. I said it out loud, and he proved me wrong. He came back and, and has done it for an extended period of time now. Is back to playing at a high level. But, yeah, I openly wondered about that. And, and having a chance for these guys. And you know what, Steve? Look no further. And this is why I keep saying just be good. Be around it. You don't have to have what you think is the best team of all time going into a season for that season to end up as something special. Just be decent. Look at what Boston's doing. I mean, those guys are all getting older. It looked like their time had kind of passed. And this year, out of nowhere, I won't say out of nowhere, they've got good players, but before the season, was everyone like, oh, Boston, they're the clear Atlantic Division favorite, best team of all time in the regular season? Like, nobody saw that coming, right? But they've got good players, and you just keep taking your shots. And I'm not saying the Lightning are going to go do what Boston did this year, but those guys are even older, most of them, mm -hmm. than what the Lightning's core is, and they're doing it right now. So, I mean, the Lightning could absolutely just continue on this path they're on. It's not the end of anything. Yeah, you got to keep finding those pieces to add to the team to right. complement that, that core. And, and, you know, we'll get into the Lightning are going to have some decisions and some pieces to find next year. 
as some contracts come up and, and three players get huge raises this year and Anthony Sorelli, Eric Chernak, and Mikhail Sergachev. So those are going to kick in for next year. So that affects their cap hit and, you know, they're going to have some decisions to make. But it's can you find those right pieces and, you know, that complement? I mean, you know, do the Lightning win a cup without Coleman and Goudreau from a couple of years ago? Do they win it? Do they go to the cup final last year without Paul and Hagel? I mean, it's, it's you know, how do you find those pieces? Um, you know, does Corey, Corey Perry, who the last two years has helped them get, you know, to the playoffs in that? You know, it's, it, what they find, what they do to add to this core will determine how they go forward. Yeah, and let's look at that because, again, that's always where your thoughts go anytime a season comes to an end and you don't want it to. Okay, well, what do we have to do for the offseason? What does Julian Brisebois have to, you know, Think about what does he have to weigh? All these things have to be weighed against other things, and it's a salary cap league. And I love, by the way, nobody likes it when guys leave, especially guys we're attached to, and that's going to happen. I love the salary cap. I've always thought it was the most fair way to do things. Everybody gets the same amount of money. Everybody gets here's what you you can do whatever you want with it. You can figure it out, but here's what you get. I, I think it's superior to the system in baseball and the NBA, the way the NFL and the NHL do it. And it's just part of the deal. you got to just not do it only on the ice. You have to do it in the front office as well. So there's a website for those of you that are interested in this type of stuff called capfriendly.com. And it's basically a breakdown of every team in the NHL. You can click on a team, in our case, the Lightning. And it's got every single contract. It's got a nice, easy-to-read type graphic for every team that shows you what draft picks they have coming up, what the cap space they have is or they don't have in the Lightning's case. Every single person, year by year, what the Lightning are looking at. So you go to Cap Friendly, and you look at 2023-2024, and here's the good stuff I was talking about. Oh, it's got each player's age. You've got Nikita Kucherov, who's only 29. Obviously, they've got him signed to a long-term deal. Don't have to worry about him. Nine and a half million. Braden Point, nine and a half million for years to come. Don't have to worry about him. Stamkos has another season on his deal at $8.5 million, so he's good to go for next year. Sorelli, they already locked up. No problem. Nick Paul's good to go. Uh, Brennan Hagel's got another year before he's in un- or, excuse me, a restricted free agent. Yeah, they've got him under control for several more years. Right, so that restricted means you still have at least control if you want to match somebody's offer or anything like that. All these guys are back. All these guys, with the exception of Stamkos, are pretty young. They're all in their 20s. I'm talking about the forwards now. And then you start to see the little red rectangles, UFA, UFA, UFA. Alex Kalorn's the first one we'll talk about because he's one of the guys. I mean, there's always guys that come and go, but he's one of the... When I think of the lightning of the 20-teens or whatever you call this past decade and then now into the 2020s, he's one of the first guys I think of besides like Stamkos, Kucherov, Hedman, and he's an unrestricted free agent. He was sitting in front of his locker last night for quite a while after the game, still in his skates, clearly distraught, as they all were. And at his age, he's 33, so he's a little bit older. What kind of a market do you think there's going to be for him? Is there any chance he is back with the Lightning? And from the Lightning's end, could they, even if he wanted to, bring him back? Well, Let's go through this. So I mentioned the big raises for Chernak, Sorelli, Sergachev. Right. The Lightning currently, with the players that they have under contract, and does not include the restricted free agents unrestricted, have $81.1 million of cap and buried cap hit. Because right. they still have Brent Seabrook for another year on there. Yep. Who will go to LTIR. 
the cap is at $83.5 million, so you've got $2 million to play with. Currently not under contract is you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven forwards. Yeah. So unrestricted free agents are Alex Kalorn, Pierre Edward Belmar, Corey Perry, Michael Acemont, and then restricted free agents Tanner Janot and Ross Colton. Right. Uh, defense, everybody's under contract except for Ian Cole. Yeah, he's, he's not going to be back. He's the only unrestricted free agent. And then you don't have a backup goalie because Brian Elliott's contract's up. Right. So you've got $2 million to sign eight players. Obviously now, eventually gonna Seabrook's going to go to LTIR, so that gives you an extra almost $7 million more. Right. So could Kalorn come back? Look, we know he wants to play here. We know he loves living here, loves being right. here, is going to retire a here. Guy. He's a Tampa Love guy. Him. The question is, what do the Lightning value him at, and is he willing to play for a lot less than he's been playing? He's been making $4.45 million for seven or eight years now. You know, So how much does he still want to play here, and what's, what's that too? I mean, he's made $37.4 million in his career. Yeah. So he's done well. But <laughs> yeah. but when you play for four point four five million a year, are you willing to play for two? Are you willing That's to play for less? And and some guys are. Some guys just want to keep playing hockey and love hockey. Some guys will say I'm done at that point. Or, you know, look, there may be a team like Andre Pilat. Would the Lightning have loved to have him back? And did they probably tell him, Hey, we think we could afford you at this point? It's not what you're worth necessarily, it's what we can afford to put a team together. And he went out and got what uh, was it six million a year for five years? Can't fault him for leaving. Hard, hard to leave it on the table, man. Absolutely, you know they've earned that right to make. And their their earning potential, of their playing career is short. You know they don't you don't get many contracts in the in sports. So if you can get them, I had no problem with you taking it. it, it oh, absolutely that, it not. That Andre Pilat left, but but good on him for making an extra thirty million to leave. It's so relative, too. I mean, like, like you said, I mean, this is not like you become a lawyer, you become a doctor, or you become whatever. Name your high-paying professional job in regular society where you start doing that job at 30, you can reasonably assume, as long as you don't get arrested or do something against the law, that you'll still be making, or even more, but still be doing that same job when you're 55 or 60. But this is like a giant, you know, think of it as a spigot of water, that is just going to be constantly running as long as you do your job professionally for 20, 30 years if you want. This is more like a fire hose of money instead of a spigot, but we're only going to leave it on for like five, six years, and then we're going to shut it off, and you're never, ever going to come anywhere close to making that kind of money again the rest of your life. So on one hand, I get it, but on the other hand, I mean, these are insane numbers. Like, once you get over 20, I don't even know what, it's probably less than that, but like $10 million, let's just say. You have enough money at $10 million for your life, your children, and their children, and probably their children. You're good to go. I know things are getting more expensive these days, but we're talking about guys who've made 30, 40 something million dollars. And everybody's different. Like you just said, Steve, it's a very personal decision. But we talk about all the, you know, the salary cap. They have to say goodbye to guys even if they don't want to go. The guy is always free to say, hey, I'll play here for less. Mm -hmm. And I'm not telling anybody individually what's right for them or their family or what they need to do financially or anything like that. But like you said, if I've made $30 million, I mean, it, Steve, if you gave me $5 million right now, just $5 million, forget about $30, $40 million, 
I would feel like the richest human being in the universe, and I would feel like I'm completely set for the rest of my life. Like, I, I know it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't work that way, but that's how I'd feel. But I'm a regular guy. If I already had $30 million in the bank, maybe I'd be like, well, hey, I'm used to having $30 million in the bank. What if you shut me off here? It may not be $30 million anymore. Maybe that's the way they think. I don't know. I don't know how people think you have that much money because I've never had that much money. But yeah, my gosh. It's, a, it's, it's very, very personal, and it varies from person to person. And first of all, even at a smaller number, the Lightning have to want to do it. They might just be like, hey, you know, salary cap, oh, well, go, go get your money somewhere else. Or maybe there is a spot to be, you know, that they can both meet. But like you said, some of these guys have made $30, $40 million. To me, as a regular guy, it feels like it doesn't even matter at that point what else happens in your life. To me. Well, I mean, you know, presumably could Alex Kalorn just retire? Sure. But if he goes to play hockey and go through the all, you know, everything it takes for a season physically, mentally, once you have that much money, what's it worth to you? Yeah, like play for the league minimum just to stay in Tampa. Just, I mean, whatever. You've got $40 million. Yeah. Who cares? But is that worth it to him? You know, or does he say, you know what, I don't want to go through that grind for that money? Yeah. You know, and that's, that's where it becomes a personal decision. You know, he's 33 years old. People don't realize he's older than Steven Stamkos. He's actually been a part of the Lightning organization longer than Steven Stamkos. He was drafted the year before. No, he went to yeah. college first. I mean, again, it's, it's very personal. It's guy by guy. But there's a decent chance he's not back. We'll see what the offseason has to hold. Or as the other guys mentioned here, like Bellamar, Corey Perry, basically a lot of the guys in the bottom six. The Lightning have mm -hmm. a, a very different bottom two forward lines, I think, that they're looking at going into next season. Uh, and it's not that we don't love those guys either. But those are some of the harder decisions. Well, but that like gonna... Belmar's 38. Corey right, Perry's 37. Brian Elliott's 38. I mean, you know, these guys may decide it's time to hang it up. Yeah. You know, it may, it may not even be a, hey, you know, the Lightning don't want them back or whatever. It, they may just say, you know what, I, I've had a great career. I'm done. I mean, you know, they're starting to get to that age in their career. No, it's true. I mean, at that point, then I definitely get it in, in retirement or who knows. I mean, a lot of things could be on the table for guys like that. But just looking at what we do have, even if they have to fill some of these gaps with replacement-level guys, and let's face it, I mean, the younger guys are the less expensive ones. You're not going to replace these guys with other high-money guys, and you wouldn't be able to be under the cap. But just based on what they have locked up, like I said, you've got Nikita Kucherov, who's just going to be turning 30. Braden points in his late 20s. He's in his prime right now. Stamkos is still, and you've seen it with other guys like Sidney Crosby and things like that. But these guys are still playing at high levels. Stamkos, 33. Anthony Sorelli's good to go. Uh, you've got Nick Paul and Hagel good to go. The defense, I know defense is a big issue with this team and needs to get better, but at the same time, when I look up and down what is on the roster for 2023-2024, I see Victor Hedman, again, 32, but def especially defensemen, they can play late into their careers, and he's playing at a high level. And again, all these guys are going to have a full offseason now to rest as opposed to what they've been having. Uh, Sergeyev, Sergeyev is only 24 years old. I mean, Sergeyev feels like he's been on the Lightning, let alone in the organization. I know they got him in the trade uh, back with uh, Druin. That feels like it was like 10 years ago. Obviously, it wasn't. He's only 24. But if I didn't know any better and you said, guess how old Sergeyev is, I'd say like 27, maybe 26. I, I he's so young. I believe he's younger than Nick Perpix. 
Yeah. He's definitely yeah, younger Curtis than, than Darren debut. Radish. Yeah. I mean, yeah, people, we don't, you know, it's funny because you'll hear people criticize Sergachev at times. He'll make some turnovers here and this. And, and this year, I think he's been spectacular this year. Has he been perfect? No. But the amount of increased responsibility he's taken on this year with no Ryan McDonough on the team. Yeah. You know, he's taken over the number one power play. He's taking on a lot more minutes in the penalty kill. He's taking on a lot more responsibility overall on this team. And I think he's been – and he's 24 years old. They put a ton on him, Steve, mm-hmm. for a 24-year-old. Now, yeah, he took a big step forward this year. Yeah, and, and, you know, like I said, is he perfect? Does he make some mistakes? Of course he does. And he's still growing into those roles. But the reason they were able to trade a Ryan McDonough, and not that they wanted to, but it was all salary cap-based, because right. he made six point whatever million, and they needed, they needed cap relief. But it was because Sergeyev was ready to take that next step. And, you know, at only 24 years old, I mean, how many more years is he going to be? I mean, he's still just hitting his prime. I mean, that's, that's how young he is. And, and, you know, he started playing in the NHL at 18. Yeah. He's so, like two years off from his prime still. Yeah. That's an eternity in itself. I mean, you know, for the Lightning going forward, that's huge. Yeah. And, and yes, his, you know, his salary now goes up from 4.8 to 8.5 million next year. But. It's 8.5 at age 25 and going forward. So, I mean, that, that contract, I, by the time you get to the end of that contract, then the salary caps keep going up once we get through uh, the, right. the paying off the escrow and all this from COVID and the, the revenues slowing down. Once the cap starts going up, that contract's going to look like a steal by the end. No, I think it's great for both sides. I think both, that's one of those rare contracts where you say it's not even team-friendly or player-friendly, it's everyone-friendly. That's just a good deal, and we're happy to have him. What a great – that was another great trade. I remember thinking Druin was going to have his jersey hanging from the rafters at Emily Arena, and uh, they go out and find a guy like him. And, yeah, he's going to anchor that defense. And Hedman's still there, and Hedman's not, not going anywhere. But you've got those two anchors. Chernak, I think, is – again, they missed him hard in this series, but – He's a rock they can rely on. As far as the young guys this year, I thought Perbix really accounted for himself well. Again, only 24, even though it was his first year in Sergeyev's 15th or whatever. But Perbix gave me a lot of confidence going forward that he's a guy they'll be able to count on. And then Flurry and Radish, too. I think Radish had a good playoff series. I think, I think if there's one thing that was extremely surprising this season – and, and even into the playoffs, was how well Perbix and Radish did this year. Yeah. They both – I mean, look, you've lost Jan Ruda on the right side of that defensive core, and, and the right side's always been the issue. I mean, the left side, you always had Hedman and McDonough and Sergachev. Your left side of the defensive core was great. Yeah. But the fact that Perbix and Radish passed Zach Bogosian on the depth chart and, and with Eric Chernak, now your three right-side defensemen are, are Chernak, Perbix, and Radish. That's huge. Yeah. That those are your right side. You have a right side decor now, which has always been a struggle in this organization. It's finding that right side. I, I just think I think Perbix and Rash are going to get better, and and they're at friendly numbers contract wise, which is yeah, important for this guys, team. Six digit salaries are always nice in the salary cap era, especially if you get production yeah. out of those I mean, guys. Nick's Perbix actually goes up to one point one two five next year, but still a a friendly number to for for a contract that. Finding those two defensemen this year was absolutely huge and will be extremely beneficial for this team next year and going forward. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, you look at the team and you say, what's got to improve? You're like, oh, defense, defense. I don't think the names are going to change that much because, I mean, I'm looking at the names here. 
and one, two, three, four, five guys are uh, out of what's on a normal night. You need more than six, but uh, mm-hmm. on a normal, you know, six, three pairings of two guys. I mean, they've got those guys pretty well set. So whatever they add is going to be a smaller piece, not a recognizable name, maybe a guy brought up or whatever like that. Well, you got so Philip Myers still down in, in the minors as well, who they yeah. got in the trade for Ryan McDonough from Nashville. Right, and he's earmarked next year for yeah. uh, a small salary, relatively. So, yeah, I mean, it's not going to be this defense improving by adding people. It's going to be by guys playing better, which I think, like you said, especially the young guys after coming in as rookies and having never done it before, they could be poised to make a big step forward in their second seasons. And Yeah, and they both showed guys, so well. They showed right, so I mean, well. So, you know, and then guys like Hedman and, and – looking at uh, Sergachev and everybody who can benefit from a full offseason as well. It's going to be relatively the same defensive core. They do need to improve defensively. We know that. And like you said the other day, too, though, it's not even just the defensemen themselves. It's the forwards and the defensive play. And It's almost uh, as psychological as much as it is physical. So those things can improve, but it's not going to be a slew of new names on defense or anything like that, nor do we really want it to be. But in any event, that's the point. The point is this is a good team. And it's not going to get worse this offseason, in my opinion. And even though you hate to lose, and if they do lose, we don't know yet, but if they lose guys like Kalorn, uh, the bottom six guys, as much as I love them, you know, they, they can replenish those with other names. I don't think it's going to be a worse team at all going into 2023-2024, and it should even be better with the benefit of having that offseason to rest up. So we'll take our final break to rest up, then we'll come back with our final segment of this 2022-2023 playoff run here on Lightning Playoff Rewind. We'll do a little numbers corner like we always do and just have some final thoughts and everything as we get ready to set sail into the summer. I'm Bobby Fenton along with Steve Versnick, and we'll be back on Lightning Playoff Rewind on the Strike, HD2 102.5 and the Lightning mobile app. This is Lightning Playoff Rewind with Bobby Fenton on Lightning Radio 24-7 on the Lightning mobile app. The first two games, uh, take those out. Uh, you know, we have one game each there. And then, uh, you know, one goal games and a few overtime games. Very close. And we knew that going into the series that it was going to be close. And, but only on the short end of it, in three overtimes, it's, uh, it's tough to understand. The run that we've been on the last three years is, has been amazing. And anytime you don't get to that level, it feels like like a failure because of uh, the season and the group that, that we have in here. But again, that's a really good hockey team over there. They found a way to win four games, so they deserve credit. This team hasn't lost a playoff series in the Eastern Conference since 2019. It's 2023. We're not used to this feeling. So it's, you sit here and do this press conference 10 minutes after the game ended. Yeah, I don't know. I can't, I can't even think of the word, but it just doesn't feel good. But like I said, there's 31 other teams in the league that would love to have our history here in the last 10 years, five years, three years. That's why this is difficult because usually we're on the other side of this press conference. Welcome back to Lightning Playoff Rewind here on the strike, 102.5 HD and the Lightning Radio app. Final segment of the offseason. And John Cooper just summed it up right there. I mean, (laughs) nobody wants to lose, but you really have to just kind of take stock in what this organization's been able to accomplish and what they're going to continue to keep being able to accomplish as uh, they lose in the first round this year for the first time since 2019. 
Toronto, meanwhile, for their part, wins a first-round playoff series for the first time since 2004 when the Lightning won the Stanley Cup. And it's that's a, I mean, not that this is about Toronto. And I, I'm not all wrapped up in all the Twitter infighting. There was a couple of tweets, I say, from like Toronto fans that made me mad like during the series, and I was going to respond to them, and I kind of kept the window, the tab open on my computer, Steve. And I was, you know, after I kind of just closed the tab, I was like, no, you know what? I'm not going to get into it with people on Twitter or anything like that. Good for them. But it's a perfect example because, I mean, Toronto is basically the hockey version of the Yankees, right? So imagine if, like, the Yankees never won anything and they hadn't won the World Series in, like, 50 years. and stuff. It's, it's mind-boggling. And, uh, you know, Toronto, for their efforts, is probably going to get rewarded with just having to play the best regular season team of all time in the second round, assuming the Bruins pull off Game 7, which is hard to assume, but you never know. But either way, it just paints a clearer picture of how hard all this is to do and how lucky we are. Really, as Tampa sports fans, I mean, for all of the hardship, Steve, that you look back on all three of our franchises, the Bucks, Lightning, and Rays, and they've all had these horrendous periods of historical losing. And like we talked about the other day, the Bucks still have like the second worst winning percentage of all the major four pro sports. And yet, Bucks 2-0 in Super Bowls, Lightning three Stanley Cups, the Rays have been to two World Series. Like, I think of like cursed sports fan bases and things like that. And Tampa Bay doesn't even appear anywhere on the list, and the Lightning are obviously a huge reason for that. But we've got it pretty good as Tampa Bay sports fans, I think. The last, I mean, I've been in this market now for coming up on 13 years. Yeah. And, you know, the, the Lightning have been pretty much good the whole time. They rebuilt for a couple years right after 11. Yeah. Uh, when they made that run to the Eastern Conference Final, kind of surprisingly. And then they rebuilt and become what they are. The Rays have been pretty good the whole time there's a couple years the lean years there the bucks were bad for until tom brady came really yeah um but now they look they look better we'll see what they do this year uh it's a rebuilding year i mean they're not super bowl contenders but i don't think they're going to be awful either no so you know it's to be honest yeah this market i mean you could be detroit where none of their teams ever do anything the lions are finally starting to figure it out it seems we'll see but But, you know, or you could be Cleveland, although they, the Cavs did win a championship. But, but, you know, you could look around those markets and go, you know, boy, it could be a lot worse. I mean, we, worse. we are we are pretty spoiled right now in this market. And we call it Champa Bay. I mean, I, I like to laugh at it that, you know, we've had three boat parades in the last three years. Do you realize the last time New York had a parade was the 2011 Super Bowl? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I mean, like... They have nine teams in New York. The last time they've had a parade was 2011. 2011. I mean, you like, the last couple of years, it's funny, because, like, you go on Facebook, and, like, just random pictures of people standing on their front porch with the Stanley Cup. I'm not even talking about Lightning employees, just, like, people I know. Like, what other town does that happen in? Like, you're just, oh, hey, so-and-so had the Stanley Cup. Like, somebody's neighbor was one of the people that worked for the Lightning or whatever. They brought the cup to the neighborhood. Just the Stanley Cup just showing up places. And just stuff it's like so cool that we've gotten to do. And losing is really frustrating, but the worst feeling, the worst feeling in the world as a sports fan to me is irrelevance and hopelessness, where you've been bad for a long time and you know you're going to keep being bad and you know none of it means anything and you don't know why you're even bothering, but you do it anyway. That really, really sucks. And that's not something we know very well, at least in recent years as Tampa Bay sports fans. 
So it, it's pretty nice. Even when you lose a first-round series here and there, we'll be okay. The sun, it's, I'm looking at it right now up there. It's a beautiful Sunday morning in Tampa Bay. And even though there's not going to be a Stanley Cup, you can still go get on the boat and go out on the Hillsborough River or on the bay or on the Gulf and do all the things. Might be a little windy today, but, you know. Yeah, well, yeah it's, actually, there might be a marine warning. Don't, I don't want to give anybody bad info because it's pretty It'll be a heavy windy. chop on the bay there. Yeah, some, some, some moderate, maybe some heavy chops. So don't go, you know, you check the, the weather. You, all you mariners know. But anyway, let's do a final numbers corner real quick. As now the entire thing has concluded, that is the 37th playoff series in Lightning history that concluded last night. And this goes back to what I was just saying. The Lightning's playoff series record in their franchise history is 25-12. and 12. They've literally won more than two out of every three playoff series they've ever been in, which averages, basically, if you do, you know, just say, okay, two out of three, that averages a trip to the conference finals every time you make the playoffs. Every time! Now, obviously, there's years they didn't make the playoffs at all, but they're 25 and 12 in playoff series on the strength of five appearances in the Stanley Cup final. And three wins. Their game record in playoff games now, that was the 210th all-time game, is 121 and 89. Of course, they go two and four in this series. The team to score first in this series was four and two. And yet, as big as that was, after the first couple of games, nobody scored first and ran away with it. The lead either changed or turned from a lead to a tie. Like last night, I don't think the team that scored first was the reason Toronto won the game or anything. Both teams got their goal. Toronto got the overtime winner. But the home ice thing meant almost nothing as the home team goes 1-5 and five in this series. For the NHL playoffs, it is 34-13, uh, and 13, the team to score first so far. Meanwhile, home teams are just 23-24. and 24. So, again, home ice isn't the thing so much as getting that first goal. And obviously, we've got a Game 7 tonight with Boston and the Panthers and a few more. Now there's going to be a Game 7 with the Rangers and the Devils after the Rangers pulled it off last night to force a Game 7. And then the overtime numbers, they're grim, like I said. Overtime is one of my favorite parts of the playoffs. It's even though, like last night, I was just completely freaking out every time the puck went across either blue line. It's especially worse in an elimination game. But the Lightning now dropped to 22-19 and 19 overall in their franchise history. 1-10 in their last 11 in overtime. Just 4-10 at Amelie Arena. Actually, they're 3-10 in Amelie Arena in overtime. 1-0 at the Thunderdome. Uh, 12 and 7 on the road in overtime, and in the bubble they went 6 and 2 in that 2020 season. And I guess the biggest number, Steve, like you said, is 83.5, which is the cap number, and that's the number the Lightning are going to have to deal with in the off season. So, what can we look forward to on Lightning Radio? I know, you know, we've still got some shows to go here as we close things out. The off season will be a little bit longer than we hoped, but what can people expect on the station 24/7 as we? progress through the summer well if I, if I were to tell you we had full plans uh, worked out i'd be lying because we were hoping we're still playing hockey at this point so sure uh but uh, dave michigan and greg and I will have lightning power lunch all week at noon there we um, go you'll hear from uh, and we're still setting up everybody but brian engblom and phil esposito and dave randorf and chris Crenn and and you know all the the cast of characters uh, uh, that we have here you'll hear from them this week to kind of recap uh, player exit interviews should happen Monday or Tuesday this week. Okay. Um, you know, you'll hear from John Cooper and the players and Julian Brisebois as well, so you'll hear that. Um, and then we're working on stuff for the summer. But a special thanks to everyone involved and listeners in, in our first year on 102.5 The Bone as far as our radio broadcast goes. It's been fantastic. It sounded so good. 
Hear, FM, hearing the games HD. on 100,000 watt FM is fantastic. Uh, they've been tremendous partners and looking forward to to bigger and better things with them next year as well. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's been a transition year for us at Lightning Radio more than people realize behind the scenes. So it's but it's been all good and uh, already uh, starting to make plans for next season. Absolutely. And it's been an absolute pleasure. I can't thank you enough, Steve, not just for this season, but every season around this time. Hey, we doing the show this year? You bet we are. And it, it's uh, like I said, it's, it's a way of life. It's a custom in the springtime in Tampa Bay, a little shorter than we wanted this year. But thanks to all of you guys out there for listening and all the emails and tweets and uh, I get people asking me things. Talk about this on the show. Talk about that on the show. It really is so much fun. And th- at the end of the day, sports fandom really comes down to just a shared experience, having something, a reason to get together with your buddies, a reason to talk to people, whether it's online or whether it's, you know, emailing or tweeting or whatever it is, listening to shows like this one. You know, that's the whole thing. I mean, the wins and losses come and go. You can never really count on anything happening for sure. But collectively, it's like sitting around the TV and watching with your friends, whether you're physically doing that or not. And when I get to come in here and do this show with you, Steve, and with all the listeners, it feels like that, too. So it's an honor and a pleasure to have been able to do it. We'll be back in the late summer, early fall. In the meantime, it's going to be great. We got Kentucky Derby Week this week. We got the Rays off to a what are they twenty four and five now? Another win last night. There's lots to keep everybody occupied over the summer, and before you know it, and especially in a sport like hockey with such a long season, it will be hockey season again. So, Steve, thank you very much, my friend. It's been a pleasure, and. We'll talk to you when we talk to you. Just keep it tuned, though. Like he just said, plenty coming up this week on Lightning Radio 24-7. In the meantime, for the final time this season, that is Lightning Playoff Rewind here on the Strike 102.5 HD2 and the Lightning Mobile app.